You know what today is? It's 02022020. All that adds up to eight, which means new beginnings. So today is a new beginning for many of you. Say it's a new beginning for me. I love that phrase. I always thought it should have been a verse in the Bible. Today is the first day of the rest of my life. You know, because God's a God of today and moving forward. He says we don't have to look in our past and live our past. We don't have to stay there. Uh, wow, what a powerful day today. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing the testimonies that's coming from today. See, I get to hear them throughout the week, and sometimes I don't remember them, but uh, there have been so many great testimonies recently of what God's doing in the lives of people, and it's just amazing. It's amazing. Uh, today we're talking about uh, staying the course, and I want to talk about friendship. This is not really a lengthy message. You'll be home in time for the 4.30, the hour before the Super Bowl. So... I know you need that hour before just to get the, get your recliner right and your drinks right and your chips right and and uh, but if it does run later than that, you I hope you DVR'd the Super Bowl. Wouldn't that be just so cool if the Holy just Spirit the Holy Spirit just broke out and we we just we just stayed here all night long? All the guys are going no no. Pam said the men would start manifesting. <laughs> gnashing of teeth. Well, it's been a great day today, so I want to, let's get right into the message. It's, uh, it's going to bless you today, I believe. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Philemon. Say Philemon. See, that's, I try, I've always said Philemon, or just Phil. I don't know why God just didn't say his name's Phil, but Philemon. And I'll probably pronounce it the other way a few times, but that's kind of the correct way to pronounce it. But we're just talking about staying the course, and there's no better way to stay the course than have friends to stay the course with you. And, and I know not everybody here has a bestie and a BFF, but this, this message is about that. It's about having a friend. And I know, listen, I'm going to go ahead and pre, uh, predicate the message by saying, I know God is, Jesus is our friend. He's our best friend. But I'm, sometimes God says, I want to send you a friend, and I'm going to be present in that friend to come alongside you, and there's somebody you can feel and touch and pinch, and they squeal, right? And how many of you have a best friend? It's a lot of you do. Not, not everybody does. How many of you have just a lot of friends? You think. <laughs> Until you ask them to borrow some money. Then all of a sudden, they're not your friends anymore. I read, I read an article, and I Googled this, and so you know if I Googled it, it's true. Bonjour. Okay. That's an old joke. Some of you still remember it. Some of you still remember my Nacho Libre references, and some of you remember the bonjour. Remember the guy that, the commercial? Yeah, so. Anyway, it should be in the Super Bowl again this year. Characteristics of true friends. These are just nine things, and there are some that had, you know, a hundred, but I'm going to give you the nine. So you can be thinking about your friend and see if they line up here. First one is they have unconditional love. They're caring. They're supportive. They're encouraging. They're consistent. That's a good one. Uh, they're unselfish and selfless. They're trustworthy. They're truthful. They're non-judgmental, and they're accepting. Those are really good characteristics or traits of a, a of a best friend or a good friend, wouldn't you say? So we're gonna we're gonna look at this passage of scripture, and it's just one. It's a letter. I want you to think of this as just an actual letter that Paul is writing. Uh, he had met uh, uh, Philemon and. And he had led him to the Lord, and they established a church. And the Philemon was in Colossae. That's where he's from. 
And so you're going to see where we're going to, Paul's going to write a letter to him because certain things have evolved in, in Philemon's life. And it's a really cool story, but it's a really, it gets right back, it gets down to, it's about friendship. It's about, you know, there's a lot of friendship stories in the Bible, but this is the one the Lord led me to. So we're going to be, begin reading. I'm reading in the Passion Translation of Philemon in verse 1 and 2. From Paul, and just think of this letter, from Paul. A prisoner of the anointed one, Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our precious friend and companion. Say precious friend and companion. He's a precious friend and companion in this work and to the church that meets in his home. This was a house church. You know, they didn't have buildings like that. And when they began the churches, they began and they met in houses. Along with our dear brother, Apophia, and our fellow soldier, Archippus. Is Archie here? I think that's Archie's original name is Archippus. Archippus. We're just going to call him Archie, okay? May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ pour out His grace and peace upon you. Now, the first thing, that, and I'm just going to give you five things today, so not 20, but five. The first thing we see in a, a good friend is, is many times they're co-laborers. Say co-laborer. Paul, Paul always wrote, he wrote all the time in his letters about co-laborers in Christ. And it wasn't co-laborers in the ministry, it was in Christ. That they were doing the ministry, but it's always in Christ that he would talk about co-laborers. Now, I know your best friend may not be co-laboring with you in Christ, but that doesn't matter. Your best friend ha usually has your vision is the same as their vision. And they believe in your vision and you believe in their vision. And that's, that, that's part of being friends. You don't have a whole opposite agenda with your best friend normally, okay? So King Solomon wrote this in, in one of the pro, in, in Ecclesiastes. Now King Solomon at one time was considered the wisest man in the world. And he wrote this in Ecclesiastes 4 verses 9. He says, two are better than one. Say two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls. For he who has no one to help him, he doesn't have anyone to help him up. So if, you, if you've, anybody ever fallen and you needed somebody to help you up, literally physically fallen. Man, I have, and you, it's good if somebody's there to help you up. It's actually good if they're there to keep you from falling, right? But he says it's good if you do fall. But here, let me show you the, the, another uh, translation. This is the New Living. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. It's like a partnership. When you're two are working together, you can get twice as much done as one person can do normally, okay? Unless you've got a really lazy partner. Two are, 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 can he help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. So we need each other. Say, I need each other. We need each other. Don't say, I need each other. <laughs> no, don't. doesn't work. Look at your neighbor and say, I need you. Okay. And they're saying, what for? <laughs> Paul was uh, good about reminding people that we needed each other. He's the one that wrote about Unity. He was the one that wrote about the body parts being the body of Christ and how we need each other. See, some of you are really good feet and some of you are really good hands. Some of you have your really good eyes in the body. Some of you are really good hearers. We need each other because all together we make up the body. So, which part are you? you know, some of you have like revelation understanding. and Some of you have these hands that, man, God's blessed you to lay hands. And, and, but see, God's called us all to work together. All right? Doesn't matter what color you are. Doesn't matter what your culture is, your background. He has called us to work together as one in the body of Christ. So we are co-laborers. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm co-laboring with you. Number verse number four. See, I'm already through the first point. I'm always thankful to my God as I remember you in my prayers. You see that on a lot of uh, greeting cards, don't you? 
Like they popped, they pulled that one out of this passage. That's right, they did. I'm always thankful to my God as I remember you in my prayers. This is Paul writing to this, this friend of his, okay? Because I'm hearing reports about your faith in the Lord Jesus and how much you love, how much love you have for all of his holy followers. I pray for you that the faith we share may effectively deepen your understanding of every good thing that belongs to you in Christ. Your love has impacted me and brings me great joy and encouragement for the hearts of the believers have been greatly refreshed through you, dear brother. The second thing a friend is, is they're an encourager. How many of you know your best friend should be your best encourager? Now, a best friend can be your spouse. A best friend can be your, a sibling. A best friend can be a, a co-worker. A best friend can be, it can be anybody. It can be just a friend. My wife is my best friend. She's leaving. See, I just said that. She's walking away. <laughs> Come back. Please don't leave me. She's going to, I'll hear it for that one later. My best friend will let me know. Yes. Who? Just got saved. Two people just got saved. Yeah, come on. It's like Don Babin says, get saved before the message so you can enjoy the message. Amen. Amen. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, we should be an encourager. We should be, the, we should be the, the cheerleader for our friend. And you should be the cheerleader for your friend. And it works back and forth. And listen, an encourager isn't always just a cheerleader, and they're not always a yes man. Your best friend shouldn't shouldn't be a, just a yes pet person. You understand? Because sometimes you need to hear no from your best friend. You need to hear that. You need to hear. <laughs> no, you can't buy that. No, I love you too much. <laughs> See, I've lost my place. But what is beautiful about this passage is that Paul said, man, you've been a blessing to me, Philemon. You've been a blessing to me. Now, he's about to get into some sticky stuff here. So he's really setting this guy up with this letter. He said, man, you, you have blessed me. You've impacted my life. And I want you to know that you've been an encouragement to me. So this is what the Holy Spirit told me to do this earlier in the week as I was preparing this message. Everybody get your cell phone out. I'm going to do it too. Get your cell phone. I'm going to allow you to text while you're in, in church. Now, I know not some of you need a, uh, we need a legal pad and a pencil so you don't text. How many of you do not text? Oh, my goodness. Bless your hearts. Well, let your wives help you, okay? Or your grandson. Here, Grandpa, let me show you how to do that. Well, son, I don't believe in that stuff. That's what I want you to do right now, okay? I want you to text your best friend. I don't care who, if they're in the church building or if they're out over in Timbuktu. You're just one of them, whoever the Holy Spirit tells you to. Don't do And no paragraphs, please. It can be one word. I want you to, I've got a guy in mind, God laid on my heart to text. And I want you to text him. I say, man, I'm, th I'm thinking of you and I'm praying for you right now. And then I want you to pray for him. I just put, I love you and I'm praying for you. Stay the course. I think he needs to hear that right now. He doesn't live here. He's not in this room, so. How many of you have ever gotten a message or a text or a letter or a card and at the moment you really needed it? Just a phone call. 
just right now, people are going to be getting messages. They go, wow, what's going on? You need to let you know. You, you need to let your best friend know you care about them. You see, when it's your best friend doing that, you're going to receive it. You're going to go, wow, they must have heard something. Well, they heard a preacher tell them they had to do this. What? You've already got a, a response? Awesome. They were blessed. See, isn't it fun to bless people? So, uh, best friends, are, we're encouragers, okay? Verse 8. Even though I have enough boldness in Christ that I could command you to do what is proper, I'd much rather make an appeal because of our friendship. What he's saying is, I have the authority to actually command you to do something, Philemon, but I would rather do it out of friendship. Think about that. Wouldn't you rather... Wouldn't you rather be able to share something with somebody, even if you have authority over them? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it come across better if you came from a friendship perspective? He said, I could tell you to do this, but I'm gonna do, I, I do this because I'm your friend, because I love you. So here I am, an old man, a prisoner for Christ, making my loving appeal to you. It is on behalf of my child, whose spiritual father I became while here in prison. That is Onesimus. That's the guy. Formerly, he was not useful or valuable to you, but now he is valuable to both of us. He is my very heart. He is my very heart. And I've sent him back to you with this letter. He's taking this letter. He's writing this letter. And he's going to give this letter to Onesimus. And he's going to take this letter back to Philemon. And he said, I have met this man and I love this man and I want you to receive this man. If you don't know the story, you're going to figure it out in a minute that Paul saw the best in people. Good friends see the best in us. They don't pick out our faults all the time. They don't tell us what's wrong with us all the time. They look at the goodness in us and they, 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 they bring it out of us. They, they take the, even the worst in us and make it the best. That's what a good friends do. We, we see each other. We see the potential in their lives. You ever have a friend that you just had to encourage and encourage and encourage? Because you saw way beyond what they could see about themselves. God wants these. Last week I talked about we've been given different, a different set of perspective of how to see people. We see people from a heavenly perspective. We see it through the eyes of Christ. And so when we see people, we see, oh man, you, there's so much more God has for you. But see, some of you need to hear that this morning because you haven't heard it from your best friend in a while. And you feel lonely. You feel discouraged. You feel like, man, nobody cares. And I'm telling you that God cares. I care. People care about you. You may not feel it. But I'm telling you, God loves you this morning. He cares about you. And I'm, I'm well, we're going to get to that in a minute about how we have receive and, and grab hold of friends, okay? But God sees, uh, we see as good friends, we should see the best in one another. Eleanor Roosevelt once said this, many people walk, will walk in and out of your life, but only true friends leave footprints in your heart. People will come and go in your life. You'll have friends and then you'll not have friends. You'll have people you thought were friends that would betray you and they will no longer be your friends. But true friends, they will make an imprint in your life and you it won't ever leave. I can think of some of my friends that have come into my life and they've moved away and they live in Colorado or they live in North Carolina or they live in Kentucky or they live in all these different places and I, yet I could pick up the phone right now if I needed something if it was then within their power to do it they would do it 
And I might not have talked to them for six months or a year, and it wouldn't matter because they've left an imprint on my heart. And I've left an imprint on their heart. And they know that they can call me at any moment. I had a friend call me that I grew up with. We went to church together. And I had, he called me last week and he said, my daughter, my sister's here and she's in the hospital. And, and it's just a really bad situation. And he said, I knew you would help me. And then after we, we called, we would call and help them arrange some things. He said, we couldn't have done that without you. I don't know how to thank you. That's what we do for friends. We don't neglect them. Say, listen, I might, I can, I might not have the money to do what I need, but I can be there for you. And that's what Paul was t- speaking over his friend Philemon. He said, Philemon, I know, you, I know there's something that's going on between you and, and your former slave, but I, I'm here to tell you, you need to make it right. Because I see the best in this man. He's come to me, and I've been able to pour into his life. You see, Onismos was a slave. They owned slaves, and Philemon had... He was his slave, and we don't know the details, but apparently he stole some things from his master, and then he took off running. And guess what? You know, when you're running from God, you know where you end up? You're running into God. And he ended up in Rome, and he ended up finding running face-to-face head-on with Paul, the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul leads him to Jesus Christ, and he gets saved, and, and he transforms his life. And he said, now, this man that used to be your slave, see the word, the Onesimus, you know what it means? Valuable. His name means valuable. He said, now you don't think he's valuable anymore because he stole from you and he ran away. But I'm going to tell you now that Christ is in his life. He is valuable. And I'm sending him back to you. And I'm going to appeal to you as a friend, not as, as an authority. But would you receive him back? Because I see some great potential in this man. Great potential in this man. Verse 13, I would have preferred to keep him at my side. Paul saying, I'd like to keep him here with me. I really could use him. So that he could take your place as my helper during my imprisonment for the sake of the gospel. However, I did not want to make this decision without your consent. He's a good guy. So that your act of kindness would not be a matter of obligation, but out of willingness. Perhaps you could think of it this way. He was separated you for a short time so that you could have him back forever. Paul's always looking at the, he's looking at the good things. He's looking at the, the positive side of this. So welcome him. Listen, when we picked that song out, I had no idea. So welcome him back no longer as a slave. I'm no longer a slave. We're not slaves. Say, I'm not a slave. Say, let's say you welcome him back, but not as a slave. Listen, but more than that, as a dearly loved brother. He is that to me especially. And how much more so to you, both humanly speaking and in the Lord. So if you consider me your friend, to lay him on. And your partner, Philemon, accept him in the same way you would accept me. And if he has stolen anything from you, anything you, or, or, or owes you anything, just place it on my account. The fourth thing is that a good friend is an advocate. Say advocate. So what an advocate does is he's, he's, he's one that represents the interests of others. So Paul was being the advocate in this case for Onismas and Philemon. Okay, he was, he was being the advocate for Onesimus to bring him back to Philemon, his former master. And he's sending him back with a letter. I'm, I'm sure Onesimus is going, you sure you want me to go back there? Because I owe him a lot of money. I stole stuff from him. I don't know how he's going to take this, Paul. I don't know, he's going to, I don't know if he's going to let me go. Paul said, no, 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 it's going to be okay. He's my friend. And I've made an appeal on my friendship to him on your behalf. 
because now he's going to see the value that I see in you, that Christ sees in you. You know, we often talk about Jesus being the solitary life, right? One solitary life. It wasn't. The first thing he did was surround himself with friends. Twelve of them. We found out that actually it was eleven. But he surrounded himself with friends. And for three years he poured into his friends. He, he had a tightness. He even had a closer circle than that in Peter, James, and John. But he was surrounded himself with friends. And in John, in John 15, 15, you've heard this verse many times. He says, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. He said, now you're my friends. I wanna make, I'm making everything known to you. Right before I go to the cross, I want to let you know everything. I'm going to pour into you these last few days. And I want you to know everything that the Father's poured into me. I'm pouring it into you because you are my friends. You're not just disciples. You're just not some students following me around. I love you. You're my friends. And I love this about Paul. And he says, if, if this man, if, if Onesimus stole any, anything from you, listen, I'm going to take care of it. Put it on my account. You know what that's called, Bill? Putting your money where your mouth is. A lot of us, oh yeah, we'll take care of it. And you don't take care of it. Good friends take care of it. He owes you something. I'm good for it. I'm good for it because he's my friend. Verse 19. I, Paul, have written these words in my own handwriting. I promise to pay you back everything. To say nothing of the fact that you owe me your very self. I like how Paul slipped that in there. If it weren't for me, you wouldn't even be alive. <laughs> yes, my brother, enrich my soul in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. I'm writing to you with confidence. Say confidence. And I like confident friends. That you will comply with my request to do even more than, than what I'm asking. And would you do one more thing for me? Man, he's pushing the envelope, isn't he? Okay, receive back the guy that stole stuff from you. Uh, by the way, could you do just one more thing for me? Since I'm hoping through your prayers to be restored to you soon, please prepare a guest room for me here, for me. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner and the anointed one, Jesus sends his greetings of peace to you. And so does Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my companions in the ministry. May the unconditional love of the Lord Jesus, the anointed one, be with your spirit. The last thing I want you to see about a friend, a friend is a peacemaker. A friend is a peacemaker. Paul was so confident in him, not in himself, but in God, that he made some bold asks here. He said, man, receive back the guy that stole from me. Prepare a room for me. And he says, I, I want to I see this thing come to a place of peace. How, how many of you have ever had to negotiate peace with your best friend? Ah, a bunch of you. Yeah, he was, man. Maybe it was you that needed to be negotiated, right? Paul said this in Romans twelve eighteen. If it's possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with who? All men. Not women, just men. Just kidding. Hard to live at peace with all women, but but he, that is a new gender. Uh, forget it. It's uh, that's for all people. Oh, I got an eight hundred number call. Isn't that great? Sorry, I can't talk right now. I'm busy. And if you if you didn't catch this at the end of that, there's a, a person in there. He said one is is one of my companions in the ministry. Y'all catch that? What's his name? Mark. John Mark, to be specific. John Mark was the one that left him on a mission trip, said, I'm out of here, I'm done, I'm going, adios, bye-bye. 
So the next time they were going to go on a mission trip, Paul and Barnabas had a little discussion about Mark. And, and Paul said, uh-uh, he ain't going with us. He's already abandoned us once. He can't go again. I'm sorry. He's out of here. So Barnabas said, well, if he's out of here, I'm going to take him. And you can just you can be stuck with Silas. That's what they did. It was, there was an argument. There was, there was a division there. But here we see, years later, guess who's in, on board with, with, with Paul? John Mark. Restoration. That's what friends do. We restore. We restore. True friendship, listen, will survive difficult times. There's a scripture we use a lot, especially in men's groups. This is Proverbs 27:17. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Have you ever really thought about that verse? Iron, anybody ever see iron sharpen iron? What happens when iron hits iron? Sparks fly. Nobody talks about that. Friendship, sometimes the sparks fly because you're honing and you're sharpening each other. And you may, there may be some disagreements in the process, but in the process, if you're really true friends, you're not going to let that destroy your friendship. Correct? There's another verse in Proverbs 27.5. Open a rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. That's why I said a while ago, you don't want somebody, your best friend, to be a yes person. Yes, 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 yes. Everything's good. Everything's good. You want a best friend to tell you the truth, even if it hurts. No, he's not good for you. Run for the hills. But I love... No, you don't. You lust him. Just saying. You're just lonely. No, no. He's the, he's the man of my dreams. And, and men, they already know. Uh-uh. This is... They, by the Spirit, they even know. Listen to your friends. If, if you believe your friends hear from the Lord, you need to listen to your friends. Boy, I listen to my wife. She hears from God. There were times in the past before we were baptized in the Holy Spirit, she said stuff, and then even after she's baptized in the Holy Spirit, I said, really? You know, like, I'm not hearing that. I'm not feeling that. But it's always like she was always right, and I wasn't. Oh, that's not true, she said. That probably isn't true, but... Most of the time. But I've learned to listen to my best friend. You need to learn to listen to your best friend. Real friends are okay with being told the truth, even when it hurts. Friendships are so vitally important if we're going to stay the course. We can't take them for granted. That's why I wanted you to text your friend. Don't take them for granted. If you don't have a close friend, what do you do if you don't have a close friend? You ask God for one. You ask God for one. Ralph Waldo Emerson said this, the only way to have a friend is to be one. Some people, well, I just don't have any friends. Well, have you tried to be a friend to somebody? Ask God to bring a friend into your life. Someone that will speak into your life and speak truth. Skip number three. That was C's the best. Four is advocate. Five is peacemaker. I said them all. Might not have called out the number. I'm so sorry, but... Number one was co-laborer. This is crazy. Encourager is number two. C's the best. Number three. Four advocate. Five peacemaker. She's my best friend. 
Okay. This is you're going to see this video. I, I picked out this video, and it's not a spiritual per se video, but I want you to see somebody that said I can be a friend to somebody else. Okay. Roll tape. Aita, how old are you? 97. I'll be 98 in October. <laughs> I live in a retirement community. And we used to have a bus here to take people to the grocery store twice a week. And they gave that bus up. I don't know why. So a lot of people were stuck around here. Like my neighbor Joyce, who was a very shy person. She said to me, well, if they don't get another bus, they'll find another place for me to live. And she says, I just don't want to go anywhere else. I said, Joyce, I'll get you to the grocery store every week. But I lost my driver's license because somebody thought I was too old. But I didn't have a mark against me at all. I was heartbroken at that. I really was. It made me feel old. It made me feel useless. I am a good driver. I really am. I, I'm not fearful when I drive, but I'm very careful. You're a hot driver? No. Drag race a lot? Well, I drive 65, but I obey the rules, so I went to get it back. You make a promise, it's important for me to, to keep that promise if it's possible. I'm here. If I can contribute, I should. Shouldn't we all? And not just think of ourselves? It's supposed to get real cold. Like I say, I don't have money to give, but I can give myself and my time. A lot of people in the world who don't have anybody who cares about them. So that's the way I felt. <laughs> to love our neighbor, be a friend, that will give you joy. I mean, I don't do this, so you think I'm great. I don't even think of that. My daughter says, Mother, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. I'll say, well, okay. And like I say, I do it, please. <laughs> I wouldn't do anything dangerous, but, you know. How about a cup of tea? Would you like a cup of tea and a muffin? Oh, I'm good. No, I'm yeah, good. Thank that's... you. <laughs>
Oh. It sounds like a big wasp coming. Oh, she's trimming. <clears throat> they do the. She is trimming. Yeah, wow. they do the yard on Mondays. Wow. You see, there's somebody here today that you needed to be a friend to somebody. There are people just like her neighbor that have nobody. And she's 97. She said, I can be a friend to her. To, to have a friend, you've got to be a friend. So this morning, I want to encourage you to find that person or those persons that are around you that really need a touch of the presence of the Lord through your life. Don't think you can't be a friend to somebody else. Listen, if you say, I don't have any friends, then you find somebody to be a friend to and be a blessing to them. Would you stand this morning? Can we have the ministry team here to the front?